You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many as I can. The weather is starting to change. It's only the beginning of May, so I don't see why anyone would expect warm weather beforehand. But at least... We're touching 60. I speak to my son all the time in Florida, and he laughs because that's their cold weather. But at least the weather is starting to change. It's good to get outside, good to be in the sun, good to enjoy because Michigan's a great place to be. Detroit's a little cloudy, but we love nice weather, and we shall enjoy it. Well, of course, you're listening to my show as you're enjoying the nice weather outside. So... This week's Torah portion, the Torah portion of Kedoshim, which means holy, is, as we say, packed. Maybe there's 60 verses, and multiple verses have multiple um, commandments. Mitzvot, losaseh, say positive, negative, tons, tons of stuff. So we sort of have to cherry pick, because you just can't even scratch the surface of the amount of commands, but we'll take a few that I really enjoy, enjoy talking about, so let's talk about them. One of the more famous verses is Losikom, that means don't take revenge, we're going to talk a lot about revenge today, Loisitar, Loisitar means don't bear a grudge, and we have to explain the difference between bearing a grudge and revenge. And then, of course, the most famous part of this verse is v'yahafta l'reich ha'kamocha, that you will love your friend like you love yourself. So there's so many parts to touch on over here. Um, I'm going to go out of order that I wrote down because I was talking about it with my class today. I was teaching them first the difference between revenge and bearing a grudge, and then... I asked them if they could help me, what's the difference? Like, who cares? Like, really, why does God care? Why should I care? Um, And that one was a little bit tough for them. Really, the question was above what a third grader should be able to comprehend. But it's always nice to talk about, put an idea in their head, maybe part of it they understand. They'll hear it again and again and again. As they get more familiar with it, it works. So let's let's talk about ourselves and see if we ourselves can figure out what's going on. So revenge is the following. Revenge means that I'm talking to third graders. Um, I see you playing basketball. I come by. I ask, can I get chosen in? And you say to me, sorry, you're too late. You can't play. Okay, I'm certainly upset. But what can I do? I can't play. Tomorrow, I'm playing baseball with my buddies, and you come, and you say to me, can you choose me in? And I say, look, I asked you to play yesterday. You said no. You say no to me. I say no to you. Perfect example of 
revenge. No revenge. The Torah says you can't do that, but that would be an, a perfect example of revenge. You could have a hundred examples, but the bottom line is, you weren't nice to me, I'm not going to be nice to you. Okay, next is Lositar. Lositar means don't bear a grudge. So let's take the same story with a little different ending. And that is when you come to me and say, can you choose me into the game? I say, or think, by the way, it shouldn't really matter. I say, you know, yesterday you didn't choose me into your basketball game. But I'm a nicer person than you are. I will let you play because I'm not such a rotten fellow as you. Again, I'm not saying that the, the, the uh, command is only when someone speaks in such a way that's so nasty. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, even the concept of you didn't choose me in, but I will choose you in, that shows that in the back of your mind, it still bothers you. So therefore, the Torah says, no revenge, no bearing a grudge, and then the Torah continues. You have to love your friend like yourself, which means that I don't want to be treated that way. I, I, I don't want you to take revenge on me. Whatever my wrong or right reason was why I couldn't choose you in or I couldn't do you a favor, I want you to look at me and say, I want to play ball, you let me play. I don't want to hear that yesterday I wasn't, wasn't nice to you, last week I was mean to you, three months ago I did something that bothered you. I don't want to hear about it. Things happen, forget about it, move on. That's the basic gist of what's going on in this verse. So I asked my class, I said, let's be real, right? Okay, I told them a story, and that story confused them. A um, guy goes to his rabbi and says, Rabbi, I've been having this whole big argument with, uh, with my friend Ruvain, and, uh, and Ruvain got so angry at me, he hit me for no reason. He hit me for no reason. And I want you to, to bring him to court. I want you to do something. So the rabbi says, why didn't you hit him back? He says, I can't hit him back. He says, he hit me for no reason. If I hit him back, I'm hitting him back for a reason. That's not the exact punishment. I want him to get the exact punishment. But in any case, the, the question really is, and let's be honest with ourselves, uh, most of us, this is how we, we roll through life. People that are nice to us, we're going to be nice back. People that are mean to us or disrespectful to us, we're not going to have the same relationship. I understand. I know how, how life works. I have neighbors. I, I have friends. I have uh, business acquaintances. I know as a fundraiser that I'm always trying to be extra nice because if I'm going to be a, a, a mean, nasty fellow, I probably won't do very well. I, I understand how it works. So the, but, but the real question is, so, I mean, why shouldn't that be a normal way of living? Why does God want that I have to let people, as, as someone would say, step all over me, treat me any way they want? Why is that fear? Everybody likes the word fear. Why is that fear that he could take advantage of me and I can't uh, act back towards that person the same way? Why is it not a two-way street? So the answer is a little philosophical. The answer is a little deep. And the answer really is, what kind of person are you? So here we go. When something bad happens to a person... Right? Or something the person does, or even something good for that matter. It doesn't really matter. Right? When something happens to us, our reaction is supposed to be this is what God wants. This is what God wants. He doesn't want me to get the job. He doesn't want me to go to the ball game. 
Uh, God doesn't want me to get the last uh, candy bar on the shelf. You pick all the different possibilities. God wanted me to break my leg. Uh, God wants me to win the lottery. Whatever God wants, right? If my attitude is that whatever happens is because that's what God wanted, so so then why am I taking revenge? God wanted that I shouldn't play in that ball game. So what does that have to do with tomorrow when you come to play with me? This is why it comes philosophical. The other person will have to pay for being that nice, but that has nothing to do with me. As far as I'm concerned, when I make my way through life, when things go wrong or somebody is, is nasty to me, the person being nasty is like a stick. That is the stick that God wanted to punish me with. You are the stick. That's what God wants. So now, why? I don't want to be the stick, right? So when you come back and you ask me for a favor, I don't want to be the stick. Let's, let's bring it down to make it a little easier. We're, hopefully we're all familiar. If not, uh, open up your Bible and check it out. Uh, the brothers sell Joseph to Egypt. When Joseph finally goes ahead and reveals himself to his brothers after he's made them suffer, and there's different reasons why he did, and he had to test them to make sure they still don't want to kill him. Can they love a child of Rachel? All the different stuff we talk about. It's not, I don't want to get into it today. We had too many shows about it. We never have too many shows about it. It's just not today's show. So Joseph, you know, he has the brothers. He's king, right? He's in command. He has all the food. Uh, the brothers sold him down the river. He is in the perfect spot to take revenge. And the brothers are scared that Joseph will take revenge. But if you look at the verses of the Torah over and over and over again, it becomes very clear that Joseph is telling the brothers, God sent me down here. Yeah, you guys were to stick to force me down. But really, really, God wanted me in Egypt. So you would, what you did was going to happen to me no matter what. So why do I want to take revenge on you? Right? In other words, I, you didn't do anything wrong. What you did was just God's plan. So if my attitude is that what you did to me was God's plan, then I'm never upset at you. And if I'm never upset at you, then I won't take revenge. I won't bear a grudge. That is the kind of person the Torah is trying to create. The Torah is trying to, to make me into a person that recognizes that God runs the world. Whatever happens is because that's what God wants. And again, the philosophical part is a little complicated, but the brothers are going to get punished for selling Joseph down the river, even though that was God's plan, right? So now it's a little too philosophical to exactly you know, try to, you know, put it together as a nice puzzle that Joseph understands that's what's supposed to happen, but the brothers are going to be punished for the ones that did it. So that's a little bit deep. I told my class that much we can't really understand, not as third graders, even as adults, it becomes rather difficult. But that's the part I wanted uh, to bring out, at least in the first part of this verse of don't take revenge and don't bear a grudge. That's what we're trying to work out over here. On that point, I saw a very nice story. So there was a, in Spain, there were many over the years when the Jewish people, the Jewish nation was very powerful in Spain. They were wealthy, they were artists, they were poets. For the most part, the most beautiful poetry comes from places like Spain. They just wrote, it flowed, it, it, it sings to you. Uh, the, the European poetry 
um, is usually much harder to understand, and it's complicated words, and it's, it's just even hard to read. It might be beautiful, but it's just harder to read. So one of those famous poets was someone by the name of Rabbi Shmuel Hanagin, who also, not only was he a great rabbi, not only was he a great poet, but he was also the vizier. He was second in command. He was like the prime minister to the caliph. Um, actually, in the story, I didn't write down the caliph's name. I could barely pronounce it. So I figure, for our sake, caliph, Rabbi Shmuel Hanagin. Anyways, so the caliph and this Rabbi Shmuel Hanagin were going somewhere. And out of the blue, somebody comes and starts ranting and raving, you stupid Jews, you Jews, you this, and, and Shmuel Hanagid, you horrible, rotten person. Now, I'm not sure what the person was thinking because the caliph is right there. So if the caliph hates Jews, okay, so who cares? But you should be smart enough to recognize that this Shmuel Hanagid, who you're cursing out, is the prime minister of the caliph. So the caliph turns to Shmuel Hanagid and he says, I want you to cut his tongue out. We'll teach people a lesson. This is not how somebody speaks. Forget about the Jews. This is not how somebody speaks about my prime minister. Really, we should chop off his head. But I'd rather you cut out his tongue. No problem. Caliph orders it. Shmuel HaNugid's uh, just the prime minister. But Shmuel HaNugid went ahead and started sending presents to this guy. Started being nice to him. Started doing favors for him. And a few months later, Again, the caliph and Shmuel Hanagid are going somewhere, and this guy comes out of nowhere and starts heaping praises on Shmuel Hanagid, the Jewish people. He's talking so nicely. So the caliph says, I thought I told you to cut out the guy's tongue. You didn't follow directions. So Shmuel Hanagid says, I did cut out his tongue. Well, what are you talking about? The guy's talking over here. If he's talking, you didn't cut out his tongue. No, I cut out his rotten, vicious, mean, nasty tongue. Now listen to him. He talks so beautiful. He talks so nicely. I gave him a new tongue. Isn't that what you wanted? Now again, if you're Shmuel HaNugget and you're the vizier and you're a famous poet and you're a brilliant person, you can get away with that. And uh, therefore, you, you just see, right, this is what we're looking for. We're looking to to change people, to make people better, to make you a a nicer person, a more a more a more pleasant person. So Shmuel Hanagid said, right? You don't bear grudge, you don't uh, you don't take revenge. The Torah wants you to be half the rechah love your friend like yourself, become a better, nicer person. Totally new tongue, totally new person. Okay. So now. We um, this verse that you love your friend like yourself. This was the famous uh, catchphrase of the great Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva taught and Hillel in that famous story, which I guess I might as well repeat. Um, Rabbi Akiva taught that the great rule of the Torah is love your friend like yourself. It's called it's called Zeklal Godol. This is a great rule in the Torah that love your friend like yourself. Now, the great Hillel said a little different um, when this non-Jew came first to Shammai and says, I want you to teach me the whole Torah while I'm standing on one foot. So Shammai says, you waste my time. Get out of here. He throws him out. That again goes to Hillel. Now, Hillel must have seen something in this person that it was worth 
um, converting him. So Hill says, no problem. Says, you ready? Because I'm going to teach you the whole Torah on one foot. So the guy, like, guy's like shocked, like, whoa. Go, go, go ahead, I'm ready. So Hill says, similar again, to love your friend like yourself, but uh, on a different angle. He says, what's hated to you, don't do to others. Right? We say the positive, right? Love your friend like yourself. Hill said it more of in a negative direction. What's hated by you, don't do to your friend. That's the whole Torah. The rest is an explanation. What does that even mean? I mean, is that even true? Like, keep Sabbath. Um, keep kosher. What does that have to do with loving your friend? Now, it, it is true. You know, there's, there's two facets when we talk about commandments. There's my relationship between me and God, and there's my relationship between me and my fellow man. And there's a lot of those verses. For example, we already talked about revenge and, and bearing a grudge, even though they also are obviously, for the reasons we explained, applicable to my relationship with God because I'm recognizing who God is. But, you know, just the simple level, this is how I relate to people. Right? So all these commands, don't murder, don't kill, don't uh, rape, or don't, uh, don't steal, don't... Uh, don't uh, false measures, false weights, business, uh, honesty in, in business, honesty is a watchman, rules, regulations, all this stuff, all the rules and regulations, all the commands that apply between a man and his friend, you know, if you look at most of them, it, that's pretty simple. What's hated by you, don't do to others, right? What you don't want somebody to do to you for the most part um, will help you out with a lot of Jewish commands. The question is, how does that help me um, in my relationship with God? Right. In other words, like, what does Sabbath have to do with what's hateful for me? Right. What is keeping kosher? What is uh, not wearing uh, wool and linen? Like, what do all, uh, what do all these things have to do? Sacrifices. What's have to do with uh, with what's hated by me? So, a very interesting answer. At the end of the day, right we all want a relationship with God, right? All our studying, all our becoming a good person, everything I do, the people that tell me they have a, a good heart, they have a Jewish heart, which I guess we'll talk about maybe if I remember. This whole concept of, of being a good person and God loves me, right? God knows I'm a good person. Okay, so you're saying God loves you. So you want a relationship with God, right? So I always tell... Uh, Tell friends, I, I think I did it once or twice in my life, right? But if there was ever a person, or a spouse, by the way, works perfect with a spouse, right? You, you want your spouse to love you, right? Or you want this person to be your friend. Or even you want this acquaintance to, be, to build a relationship with him so that you'll do business together, even on that level. So what do you do? Everybody knows you're supposed to go ahead and find out what does this person care about? What is important to this person? Oh, he, he loves classical music. Okay, great. I'm going to take him to the symphony. I'm going to get him tickets to the symphony. You know, there was once a guy, he's not alive anymore, um, but I was trying to build a relationship as a fundraiser with somebody, and I happened to be that person was not a wealthy person. I, I barely received anything from him as far as charity, but it doesn't matter. We build relationships. He was a nice person. I knew he loved trains. Loved, loved trains. 
And one time I'm in a store, I can't remember which store, and there was this real cool watch. And it had the, the second hand, it was like a train that went around the watch. I bought it for him. He loved it, except he didn't know how to work it. I didn't know myself either. So he asked me if I could get him another one. Can you imagine? Like it was, it wasn't working because it was something you were supposed to pull out or stick in or something, and he didn't know how to do it. So um, he gave me back the watch and asked me to buy him a new one. If you just imagine such a thing, right? In other words, I, we're, uh, I'm trying to be nice to you. I buy you a present and something doesn't work. So you come back and say, oh, it's broken. Could you get me another one? That's like wild. But it does, it's not the point. Right? The point is, um, what do you do to build a relationship? I find out what's important to you and I do it. And if I'm ever going to meet with you and I know there's things you don't like to talk about, I will not bring them up. Right, Because those things you don't care about, those things make you angry. Let's say you hate politics, and I want to be your friend. So if all I try to talk about is politics, I'm a fool. Right? So if we understand in human relations that if I want to be friendly with you, if I want you to be my friend, if I want you to care about me, I have to show I care about you. How do I find out? How do I show you that I care? Because I go ahead and I... I make sure to, to do things that make you happy. Okay. So why is God any different? I want God to love me. Okay, what does God want from me? Oh, he wants me to keep Sabbath. He doesn't like when I don't keep kosher. He doesn't like when I slander. Let's go find out all the things. So Hillel, the great Hill says to this man, you want to serve God? What's hated to you, don't do to your friend. God is also your friend. Now, how do you make a friendship? How do you make a relationship? Okay, you got to do a lot of research. You're going to have to learn a lot of Torah over here to find out what's important to God and then go ahead and do what's important to God and then you'll have a relationship. No one said the explanation has to be so simple. Maybe the explanation will take you years and years of study. No problem. I gave you the general rule. And that's what Rabbi Akiva says. The general rule is, the great rule is, I know they say golden rule, but they get that a little wrong. Uh, but the general great rule is, um, love your friend like yourself. What you would expect someone to do for you, you should do for that person. Now, by the way, it's very interesting. We are in the counting the Sphira period. And my children ask me, it's very interesting, we, we sometimes get confused. There's two parts to the Sphira period. There is the daily counting. We started from the second day of Pesach, where we count from 1 to 49. And day 50 is Shavuos, the tabernacle, the, um, the, the holiday where we, where we receive the Torah. So this should be a happy time. I have to prepare, I have to work, I have to work on myself to become a better person so that I'm ready to accept the Torah again. That's very beautiful. Sounds happy. The problem is this is the period of time where we don't make weddings. Um, we don't want to listen to music to start dancing. Um, we don't take haircuts. Um, why? Because 24,000 students of the great Rabbi Akiva died during this seven-week period. Now, they died over a 33-day period. The question is, um, was it the first part of the 49 days? Was it the second half? It's debatable exactly when. People have different customs. But and I was doing two separate things. One is during this 49-day period, I'm getting ready to accept the Torah. And also, I'm sad that all these great students died. So the question is, what happened? 
What happened to all these students? Why did they die? What did they do so terrible that 24,000 students had to die? It's an interesting question. 24,000 students? These were not just regular students like elementary school. These 24,000 were great rabbis. The, the continuation of Torah would have come through them. Rabbi Akiva has to find five new students and start all over again to, uh, to continue the Torah for, for the Jewish nation. So what happened? So the Talmud says they did not show the proper respect for each other. And we're going to have to get back into this concept another time because the music is playing. So, as always, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. You know, can't do it without you. Can't do it without my wonderful sponsors and listeners. So, thank you to the Wonder Production team. I have David and Cisco in the back. I don't think Andy's here. I hope we have some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. A million dreams while the world works.